0: You're listening to Pastor Scott Nyman at the Church of the Redeemed. Father, we ask that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see, and that seeds would be sown on fertile ground. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
1: This series is going to be completely different than any series you've ever done before. It's, our church is going to be done different than it's ever been done before for the, the course of that series, but it's going to be exciting. i got some great stuff I'm going to be sharing with you. So I put these here, for two, two of them in your seats, for reasons, as I want you to start advertising this series. All right, that means give it to people that don't go to church. Uh, we'll have more coming next week and stuff. I have more in my office if you want some. But be giving these out because I want people to understand. I want people to look at this and go, I wonder what's going on at, at the Redeemed, you know. And so be giving these out. This will grow our church. I guarantee you that having the, just the advertisement at hand, you guys are the advertisements. You guys are the mouthpieces of God. So grab these, start sharing them. Be excited about this series. I know you don't understand what it's about except for Furious Love. That's all you need to know. Okay, two cool words, furious and love. That's all you need to know. But um, it's going to be a good time. Amen? So we'll be getting those out. But, uh, and also another exciting note is we have our team, Guatemala. They lived. They made it. And uh, they're back. And uh, they will be sharing here in a little bit about their stories or a little bit. Really quick, you know, I told Daniel, don't be preaching. I know Daniel gets long-winded at times, I'm sure. But... Uh, but I am not surprised that Larry and Daniel or Ebony survived, but Jeremy survived. He fell through a roof, <laughs> and, he, and he made it back. Um, yeah, he was on his face praying. But it's exciting. They got to meet some cool people, and uh, I'm excited to hear about them. <clears throat> but now back to us a little bit. We've been talking for the last few weeks about Transformation Church or Transforming Church. And, and the interesting. the reason I did this is because one simple fact, I believe... There are seasons for everything. And I believe church today cannot be done the way church was done 10 years ago, that we need to transform. And I'll tell you this much. From all the research, and I want you guys to understand, I've spoken at, I just not say breaking things either, but I spoke at conferences before in front of, um, you know, Michigan alone or 66 Pentecostal Church of God churches. And I spoke at a, a conference of theirs. And so I've done a lot of research on churches, modern-day youth ministries, past-day youth ministries, modern-day churches, past-day mit- Churches, let me explain something I really believe is I believe churches nowadays have really gotten away from Jesus Christ. And they've gotten away from scripture. And and cause the truth of the matter is, like I've said it before, if you can listen to a message of someone speaking for an hour, I mean the average speaker sometimes speaks for an hour. If that guy can teach for an hour and never mention the name of Jesus, something's wrong. Because Christianity revolves around Jesus. That's all it is. That's why I've been saying since day one, our mission statement really all it is is we're all about Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. There's nothing more to add. So I want by transforming church, all we're really doing is we're not really transforming to anything different. We're going back to Scripture, and and I believe that will transform our church. We're going to see some massive growth. July alone, you guys need to know this on the attendance record, there was 26 visitors in July alone. Some stuck, some didn't. Some are still out there. They'll come back if God wants them to come back. But the point is, is God has given us opportunity. I really felt during worship, the Lord really spoke to me. He says, I'm going to explode your church because you honor me. And that's truth. How many of you guys felt Jesus Christ during worship? That was an, a, that was an incredible experience. So we're transforming, and we've been discussing that. And I'll tell you, the, the scripture we've been revolving around, um, it's not in today's notes, but we've been revolving around the, the 5,000, the 5, feeding the 5,000 people. I read that week one, and I believe with all my heart that if we grasp that scripture of the feeding the 5,000 that will transform church right there and there's a phrase that Jesus Christ I'm just recapping a little bit for those of you who weren't here week one is um simply this is that that the disciples at one point when the multitudes were around them listening to Jesus teaching the disciples said to Jesus send these guys away there's no food here okay they're in the middle of nowhere okay they were like in Kit Carson before there was buildings They're like, like, send these guys away, there's no McDonald's, there's no buffets, there's no Pizza Hut, they got to go eat. And Jesus said something that I'll tell you right now will revolutionize churches if they'll grasp this, which he simply said to them, you give them something to eat. Now God could have been radical, God could have rained down the fish, God could have brought, I mean imagine there, there's 5,000 people, God himself in all of his sovereignty could have brought a Pizza Hut truck over and fed all 5,000 of them. God could have did it, but God simply said, you go give them something to eat. And we've been talking about transforming church by the simple fact that churches, I almost want to change the name of it, because churches a lot of times get in this habit of praying and praying and praying, God do this, God do this, God bring the people, God bring the finances, God do all these things. And sometimes you've got, you got to change that from praying to whining. How I many of you guys realize churches do that at times? Like, Lord God, I've been, been here for three years. Where's the people? Where's the fruit? What's going on? Where are you at? And God just like, you go and give them something to eat. Amen? I'll guarantee you this. If you in these seats will we'll go out and give these people something to eat, our church will explode to the point we'll be building a new, new building by two, 2012. One person's excited about that. Nobody wants to do building projects. They're like, well, wait a minute. God's going to provide it. I guarantee you it. Me and Lori right now are praying about our second campus. Because I believe we're going to grow that much. Amen? But it's going to take us going out and doing it. I'm very excited. Do you guys realize by the time we start broadcasting, we will instantly have broadcast? I talked to him the other day. We'll instantly ha- be broadcasting our services in Ethiopia, Africa. We'll be instantly broadcasting in Michigan. I guarantee you it. We'll instantly, we'll instantly be exploding right off the, off the map. Now, I want you guys to understand this when we start broadcasting. Those of you who are in Eads and Shine Wheels and driving distance don't stay home and watch us, okay, we're not TBN, come on in, but I believe God's going to transform our church, and I want you guys, I can tell it, I can feel it, but it's going to take us going out, so that was the first week that we've been revolving around, today we're in week three of transforming church, next week will be the grand finale, do not miss it, okay, those of you in Michigan, come on back next week and hear the rest of it, and if any of you guys missed this stuff, go ahead and get the CDs, Chris has got them, Get all of them. We're actually going to, Chris is going to make, when these are done, we're going to give these out. I'm going to take these discs to people in our town and say, this is what the redeemed is about. doesn't matter what we were about two years ago. This is what we're about today. Amen? I guarantee you people will stop in and find Jesus. But where we are at today is Transforming Church Part 3. We're in Isaiah 58, verse 10. And it'll be up on the wall here in a second, I'm sure, because Chris is that fast. But um, we're in Isaiah <coughs> And I want you guys to understand the scripture because people will often why is it important? See, people give pastors salaries because they don't want to do the work themselves. Do you guys understand that? I mean, it really is. People pay pastors, well, we pay you to go to the hospitals. We pay you to go visit the people. We pay you to go evangelize. And I said from day one in my interview, that's not me. If that's what you want, I'm the wrong guy. You know, but the truth of the matter is, is, it's important for every single person that calls themselves Christians to fulfill these scriptures. It is important for everybody that calls themselves Christians to go out and feed the hungry. It is the duty of every person that calls themselves part of the redeemed to build the church. If you expect Lori and I to build it, we will stay the same and shrink. Because it takes all of us to build the kingdom. Nehemiah did not build the wall himself. He built it with families throughout the whole community. Amen? So in Isaiah, though, 58.10, it says this. It says, if you extend, there you go, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. Praise God. And your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. How many of you guys have been in drought? Besides, you from Michigan, you're in a drought right now. You'll be going back to Michigan where there's not one, but you're in one right now. And strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old, wasted places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. Generations. I want you guys to think of this. If you look out that window right now, you'll see Kit Carson, Colorado. Well, you know, you'll see her hotel. Isn't it beautiful? And uh, anyways, that direction is Kit Carson. I want you guys to think of that community out there like a box. And what I mean by that is what you put into your community is what the church gets out of the community. And Now, it sounds weird, but bear with me on this, because that's what the Scripture is saying. The Scripture says, If you satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. That means if we will obey the Scripture and go out to the hurting souls and satisfy them with the love of Jesus Christ, that means in our darkest times as a church, praise God, we will have the dawn of Jesus Christ. Let me explain something. Churches are going to go through problems. You may be excited today, but next month you may be, Full of grief for some reason. And I'm telling you this much as long as we're fulfilling scriptures, we're going out and satisfying afflicted souls, in our darkest times as a church, the dawn of Jesus Christ will still shine through us. That means you get out of the community what you put in. If you want to stay in these walls and never love them, we will fall apart. But then it also says, even in our dark times, it will be like the peak of day. Now in Colorado, when it's the peak of day, I'm praying for darkness. Like, Lord God, it's hot. (laughs) Amen? You guys from Michigan having a hard time with that? It's like fall over there in Michigan. Now leaves are churning and falling off. There's no leaves here, so they don't churn. But the point being is that The point being is even in our dark times, it will be like the peak of day. I see churches all the time. I'm going to speak at some churches pretty soon that are going through the darkest times of their season. There's no Spirit of God moving. There's no light shining. But I guarantee you this, the reason it's not is because they're not fulfilling the Scriptures by going out in their community and going to the hurt and lost souls and satisfying them with the love of Jesus Christ. If you fulfill that Scripture, it doesn't matter what you go through. Jesus will provide. Churches can't pay their bills? Well, they're not fulfilling Scripture somewhere. I guarantee you it. Because when, when you fulfill Scripture, Jesus says, I will bring the provision for every good work. So it is our call from God to bless the community we are in. That means it is our call to minister to Kit Carson. Not just the redeemed church folks, family members that we love, but the ones that are hard to love. We are called to go love them. A call is not a suggestion. When I tell my kids to go to bed, I'm not suggesting to them to go to bed. Hey, if you're tired, maybe you should go lay down. No, when it's bedtime, I'm like, bedtime, go to bed. Quiet time for mom and dad. It's a call and commandment. If we are not in our community, this is powerful right here if you listen to this, if we are not in our community, our light is not shining. It's not. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, that whole song you sang in BBS programs when you were kids. If you, we as Christians take that light and we stay right here in this building, that light will not burn. It will go out. Passion will leave the church. Determination will leave the church. I met with a guy the other day in the Springs, uh, traveling evangelist. He's here in Colorado speaking, and he said to me that they just had a week-long services back where he's from. And he said they had a guest speaker come in. And he said that guest speaker was so fired up for God and so excited he could feel the anointing, he was ready to leave his own church, to be a part of that church. That point is this. If your passion is gone, the church is not alive. If the church is not alive, it's because it's not out there. The life source is out there. Jesus says, go out through the whole world and minister the gospel. If you want to dim the church's light, then we need to stay in our four walls. Amen? So the question, though, is, now that I got you on that task, how do, we fulfill, how do we bless our community? How do we bless them? So I'm going to give you, and we're not going to be long at this, but I'm going to give you seven tips to bless our community. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you seven things that we are going to do as a church. Amen? And when I say that, I deliberately mean that if you're part of the redeemed, you're going to do these seven tips. Okay? Don't just come to church and get fed off the word but go give it out. Got quiet except for Carla there. But Matthew 25, verse 31 through 40 is where um, a perfect um, scripture is that I want to share with you. But the first tip on, on blessing our community is that we need to fulfill our purpose. This scripture is our purpose. Some of you guys think, well, Scott, I don't know what my purpose is. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not these things. So how do I fulfill purpose? This scripture is perfect for this. So let's listen. It says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be, be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Picture this scripture for a second before I go on. The end of times is obviously here because Jesus came back. I love it. Christians are always like, Oh man, I'm just excited for when Jesus comes back. And I think to myself, there's too many people not born again for that to happen. I'm still on a mission. I, don't, I mean, if he wants to come back today, I'll celebrate, I'll go to heaven, but I don't want it. there's too many people, souls at stake. So Jesus comes back, he's sitting on his throne, Africa gathers around him, the U.S. gathers around him, Russia, Guatemala, Trinidad, all these places gather, all these nations gather in front of the Son of God. But then he starts separating them. You go over here, you go over here, you go over here, you go over here. It could take a very long time. But that's what he's doing. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to, to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and gave you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and you, clothed you and, and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? This is awesome right here. It says, And the king will answer and say to them assuredly, I say to you in as much. As you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. If you want to transform the church, don't be looking to me for all the answers, but fulfill the scriptures of God. If you want to transform the redeemed church, you go out to the hungry and you give them food. You go out to the ones that don't have clothes. Lori's raising a campaign right now, we'll talk about it in a little bit, to give school, uh, shoes to those in school. Basketball season's coming up. Give them shoes. If someone comes to you in need, you provide that need. Christians have gotten stingy. Well, I've got to be good stewards of my finances. Nowhere in Scripture does it say if you give your money away, that's being a bad steward. That's just truth. But well, we've got to interview them and make sure, you know, we've got to make sure there's a need. Here's the rule for the redeemed, just so you're aware. If they say there's a need, there's a need. We're not, gonna fill, we're not social services, but there's no application form to get provided to by God. If there's a need, there's a need. But we have gotten that direction. If we want to fulfill Scripture, if we want our light to shine, we need to fulfill our purpose. Every single one of you may not be preachers, but every single one of you can give a sandwich to someone in need. Every single one of you can take time out of your day to pass out food at Care and Share or food banks, wherever they are. You can take time to do that. You can look at your neighbor's house and see that the window is cracked and go spend a little bit of money and put a new window in. You can do those things. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a called, ordained pastor to go do those things. You're already ordained. Do you really want to stand before Jesus one day and he'll say, you're a goat, not a sheep? I don't want that. I don't want to stand before him and say, you know what, I sent someone to you and you didn't meet their need because you didn't see a need. A pastor in Michigan, I love this guy, his name is David McMahon, great pastor of First Baptist Church there. I did some work with him, spoke at his youth ministry and that kind of stuff, and he's a great man. And one time someone said, hey, uh, a lady came to him with big need, says, hey, all my bills, I can't pay this bill or whatever, I can't remember what it was. It ended up being about 600 bucks. And Dave's like, okay, and he took out money. I think out of his own pocket, and gave her $600 that same day he's entering walmart and he sees her walking out with a new stereo system and she runs right into him she's like you know jaw on the floor and he just looks at her and tilts his head and he goes according to scripture i'm blessed you'll get you'll you'll stay in there one day you know what i mean he said something like that nature he's like i gave i fulfilled scripture no bitterness in his heart because he did what God said to do. We've got to stop filtering through who has a need and who doesn't. But we need to minister to those others as we are ministering to the Lord. We cannot be stingy with our time or money. First off, if you're a Christian, you need to tithe. That's scriptural. The other thing is you need to give some of your time to the kingdom of God. We can't be stingy with it. We need to live with eternity in our minds. I believe this with all my heart. We are selfish beings and we live for the now. We don't think about eternity. We don't think about the souls that are going to hell because we don't fulfill scripture. We don't think about what's well, going to happen to us when we stand before Jesus. I said it before and I'll say it again. When he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, that statement is saved for his servants. Not those who just grabbed the get out of hell free card, but those who actually obeyed scripture. We feed the hungry. I guarantee you, he's gonna stand, you're going to stand before him one day and he's going to say, you fed the hungry. Praise God. Thank, or praise God. He's like, praise me, you fed the hungry. hallelujah you know but he will he's he's gonna say you fed the hungry or you didn't and i want to be a church full of people that are just so hungry to see souls saved that we will feed the people we will buy shoes for them we'll take them clothes shopping bless me beyond belief when i was 15 years old no 16 just got my driver's license i went to a revival service i didn't know what revival was and I went to a revival service, and this guy was preaching, and I felt from the Lord to share my testimony, and it was a, uh, I was going through a terrible time. And out of my mouth came this phrase that was true, but for one year straight, I wore the same pair of pants to school every single day, because that's all we had. But it bothered me. I didn't realize it bothered me until the Holy Spirit was on me, and I was like, I wear the same pants every day. Wash them every three days, and nobody notices, hopefully. You know what I mean? Well, then this guy set up a thing where a bunch of them went shopping, and the next night at the revival meetings, they gave me a bunch of clothes. If maybe they did. What if they didn't do that? Would I be a pastor today? Would I be serving God the way I am today? I don't know the answer to that. All I know is that ministered to me the love of Jesus. You never know where your dollar is going to go. Your dollars, your money, is ministries, folks. You're not taking your money to heaven. This church is not going to heaven. This building's not going to heaven. Our church finances are go- not going to heaven. If I go to a board meeting and we have zero money in the bank at that board meeting because we gave it all out to the community, praise God. Because they're blessed. That dollar is not going to heaven, but it's blessing them. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My cars aren't going. Fulfilling that scripture is fruit of our salvation. Read what comes next. That's the, This is what we need to understand too because the fact is, is Giving to the poor, giving to those in need, satisfying the hurting souls is fruit of our salvation. Do you guys realize that? Because he, didn't, he separated them. He said to the ones that were sheep, you fed the hungry, which means that's a fruit of being born again. Then in the next scripture, he, says to, he turns to the left side and says, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. You cannot just sit in church and get fed off the word and say you're a born-again believer. You can't. Uh, Folks, I'm telling you the truth. Does good works get you to heaven? Absolutely not. Only Jesus gets you to heaven. But it's clear that this is fruit of being born again. When you get born again, your nature changes, doesn't it? You go from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Never do you see a butterfly go back to trying to be a caterpillar and crawl around on the ground. It's fruit of our salvation. And I do not want anybody that says they're part of the redeemed or the Michigan crew or say the name of Jesus is in their hearts who don't fulfill these scriptures. But too many churches grow off programs. Pastors, all they care about is tithe checks, and they don't care if they're born again or not. There's actually a stat on megachurches. Everybody wants to be a megachurch. The truth of the matter is, mega churches. the stat is only 1% of those churches are born again. Yeah, we can have a church of 20,000 people, but it actually says all that 20,000, only 1% is truly born again. I don't want that. I'd rather stay 50, 60, 70, 80 people and change the world for Jesus Christ. But it's it's a it's a, <laughs> I don't know, sorry. I no, don't you know what that was. It's just, rah! Do we want our church to echo in eternity? That's what we've got to find out. At that day when Jesus is sitting on his throne, do we want the redeemed church to echo in that eternity, saying, you fed the people, you ministered to them, you loved them. I want the redeemed to walk into heaven and see a crown of glory and a sea of people that are born again because we did something. We went to Guatemala and built a roof. And you know, those ministers that don't want to go overseas unless they're preaching, that's not scriptural. Preaching's great, but that building that roof preached way more than a 20 minute sermon ever could. It changed their lives, but also changed people's lives. It's not about preaching. Okay, ready? That was number one. Sorry, I said I was going to be quick, and I'm only on number two. We'll get there. I'm just excited about this. I'm just excited about this. Are you guys excited? I'm excited about the series. I just really am. We need to remove... Number two is we need to remove the need mentality. And I already talked about that a little bit. But it says this in Scripture, if your enemy... Okay? If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. Your enemy... If your enemy, someone who who attacks you and despises you as hungry, Scripture says you need to give them something to eat. But church people that call themselves Christians sit in church and they shun people out in the community because they're bitter towards them. Let me explain something. Bitterness is demonic. It's a fruit of demonic works. The fruit of the Spirit is giving them something to eat. Whether you like them or not, you must love them. I used to tell Lori when we were dating, you know, I got rid of the, you know, because love... It's tossed around all over the place. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Well with me, love's serious. Okay? And but I used to tell her, you know what, I like you. To me that felt more powerful. I like you. I like exactly who you are. And nowadays now we're married, so if there's days we don't feel like we're in love and we're really, you know, we're like tense, well I don't like you, but I love you today. <laughs> Just kidding. And then I apologize, repent, and you know, kiss her on the cheek. But if your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. You cannot be part of the church of God, the house of God, the born-again believers of God if you have enemies. Now, someone may not like you, but you've got to like them and you must love them. That's scripture. Give them something to eat. they will transform our church. I guarantee you it. Because I guarantee you this. There's people out in that community that will not set foot in the redeemed because of some judgment, some bitterness, something that happened inside the church walls, which means it happened with us as Christians. And if they will not set foot in church because of something Christians said to them or did to them that wasn't scriptural or godly, we must fix it. Love them. That's why we're doing what we're doing is with all these love acts of school supplies and stuff because I want that community to know we're not out there to recruit them. We're out there to love them. Strife is not a reason to ignore scripture. Irresponsibility is not a reason to ignore scripture. That's a big one right there, irresponsibility. People come to us with a need. Well, you know what? You should have paid your bills. Get a job. You know, this one I heard all the time. Even in Michigan, I've heard it here and there and everywhere, every church in America. Well, you know, the Scripture does say you've got to work for your bread, so I guess they just got theirs. Repent! That's an unchristian statement. Is it true? Yeah, you've got to work for your bread. But, is, but <laughs> their irresponsibility is not reason enough for us to not fulfill Scripture and give them something to eat and love them. It's just not. God said clearly, give them something to eat. He didn't say, give them something to eat if they work 40 hours and they pay all their bills and they still have money for groceries. Well, then you can meet their need. No, he said, meet their need regardless. Strife and irresponsibility is not an excuse, folks. If you do this, I guarantee you, it'll transform church. Because what if you meet that need, gets them in church, they refine Jesus Christ, they repent, they get born again, they go out and get a job and change their lives forever through your meeting their need. I've seen that happen. We had alcoholics living in the woods of our church property. The board was furious. Remind me not to give the church the CD. <laughs> we'll edit that out. No. The board was, but the board was furious. That pastor. He said, we can't just, we can't just let them live in the woods of these homeless drunkards. They're not married and they're living in a tent together. But yet, not too long ago, we had a couple get married and they lived in a tent, and they had jobs. Was, they were different. Back to this point. <laughs> but they're living in the, you know, boards like, we can't do that. And that's what pastor said. And I didn't know where I was at the time. I was still, like, learning with God, and I'm like, don't know what side to take, you know. And, and not that I was taking sides, like, <laughs> boycott pastor. No. But pastor said this. He goes, I'm not going to stand before God and have Jesus say I was there, and I was hungry and in need, and you didn't feed me. I'm not going to do it. And at first, I didn't know what to think about it, and I'm thinking, even other churches got on this. The rumor mill went out, and now other churches, I had another pastor saying, so what is with the drunkards in the woods? What kind of church are you running? I'm like, well, this is what I told him because this is the fruit that came from it. Though that drunk couple got married. That The drunk and alcoholic male started working for one of the farmers that we had at the church, and they started attending church on every Sunday basis. He even went to an AA meeting in a rehab center. That was the fruit that came from it. I mean, who are we to say? Scripture says, feed them. We can sit there and excuse everything in the book you want, but I'll tell you this much. I've came to the point through Scripture that I will give to someone if they say they have need. Now, don't all of you come to me and say, I need this, I need this, okay? I just, I just recanted everything I just preached on. If someone says they have a need, we meet that need, regardless. Amen? Again, obeying the heart of God that will cause our light to shine. It says this in Scripture. It says, let your light so, this is, I love how he says this because it says so. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's in Matthew 5. Sorry, Chris, didn't tell you that, but it's all right. I love what he says there, let your light so shine so they can see your good works. You know what that means? I said it, they, I said it week one, I said a good works will not get us into heaven, only Jesus gets into heaven, but our good works may lead someone else into heaven. Us blessing them may lead them into heaven. We've got to let our light shine, folks. Point three, I know, we're rolling. You guys okay? You don't need to get up and stretch? Okay, good. We become intentional. Number three is we need to become intentional about sharing our faith with the world. 1 Timothy 6, 18. Chris, all right. It says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. It's powerful. We need to be intentional about what we do. This, I had this lady in our church in Michigan, and this ain't a bad talk because I already shared this before, but this lady went to China with me. Her name was Carolyn Lowe. And I had to repent and spend some time before God, because she passed away, and before she passed away, when, I, when she was just different in every way, just a cent, a, I don't even know the word, eccentric. I mean, she was just radical. And, and it was just the way she was. And one of the eulogies that was shared at her funeral was this, is that she would intentionally go to the same store, she would intentionally go to the same line for checkout. So she was intentionally witnessing to the same person until that person was in our church. And she had a ministry that was growing because she had people that were coming to her Bible studies because she was intentional about eating at the same restaurant, getting the same waitress, going to the same checkout line, getting the same person, intentionally witnessing on a day-to-day basis. She was never in full-time ministry, but she was ministering more than the pastors in our community because she was doing the deed. And I had to repent when when she passed because I'm like, Lord, I just made judgment after judgment towards her just because I thought she was weird. But she was intentional. It was powerful. So we need to be the same way. We need to be just just as intentional. I try to go to Mary's Market at least once a day. Sometimes I end up going four times a day because I just forget things. And Lord, I go back to Mary's Market. I'm like, it's the same people. They're going to know I'm going there five times. So I go in there, and they're like, how are you today? Oh, I'm just as good as I was 20 minutes ago. How are you? <laughs> Number four, increase generosity. This is where we're going to spend some time. Deuteronomy 15:11 says, "This is that there will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land." We need to be on a mission to give our resources away to those in need. It is important according to this Word of God, that if you have resources, you shall use it for the kingdom of God. There is poor people out there. There's people in need out there. And we, as Christians even, live in America where there's more things than any other country, but we hoard everything. Well, I can't give a TV away. I only got three. I won't have one in the kitchen. Well, I can't give finances away. I won't have enough to pay for my gas. Well, walk... Or trust God to provide for you. But if you have resources, it is a call to give it out. We need to be generous. Too many Christians even don't tithe. I know churches that can't pay their bills because they have Christians showing up, getting fed off the word, and they won't even give towards the ministry. Paul says if you get ministered to, you need to provide for that ministry. God says that. Paul says it. Jesus says it. I used to battle this because there was people in Michigan uh, at one point started believing there was a I don't know, it was almost like an uprising of people that didn't believe you had to tithe. Well, tithing's under the law. We don't need to tithe anymore. We're not under the law. We're redeemed. You know, and so I researched it cuz pastors started going to me saying, "I want you to do offerings." Like, I don't want to do offerings. People hate those people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's offering time. Ah, get off the stage. So this is a scripture I found, and we'll talk about it later. But Jesus says, when the lady give—I uh, can't remember the, the Pharisees are making a judgment, and Jesus says to them, "Well, yeah, you Pharisees gave ten percent like you should. Basically, is what he said. But they gave offerings. T- tithing's a starting point. Do you guys realize that? It's a starting point. God says, give ten percent back to the church. Amen. Give it. Boom. Then we give our offerings. We provide for those in need. We provide for school supplies. This right here, this ain't tithe. This is offering. And those people that brought it will be blessed beyond belief. There's a difference, but we need to be generous with ourselves. Like I said before, this church is not going to heaven. We will not walk through the pearly gates and see this old rugged building, which is not that old or rugged, but still, compared to pearly gates, it's pretty rough. But it's not going so why would we as a church not be generous with what we have? Why would we not provide for those people in need? Let me ask you guys this. You got bank accounts? Why would you not? Why would you be so afraid to drain it, to provide for the needs of the people in the community and watch God pouring blessings upon you? I know this is a different kind of style of preaching. You guys are like, you ask it for money? No, I don't care if I ever see your dollar. As long as they're seeing it, as long as those in need are seeing it, But too many times people are in need, holding cardboard signs all over the place. I need, you know what I mean? I'm trying to get to Mexico and I have a dollar and three kids and a dog, you know? But we'll drive right by. Well, they're just probably lying. Well, they probably are. But again, God says provide. So we need to be generous. We need to be on a mission to give our resources away. Today, listen to this. Today in America, or this is worldwide in America, some stats I want to give you. Today, 1,125 billionaires hold more than 50% of the world's total wealth, which I thought was pretty impressive. 50, or 50% of the world's wealth is held by billionaires. 40% of the world draw less. This is powerful right here. 40% of the world draw less than $2 a day for their families. And other countries, which you probably saw in Guatemala, other countries Have bigger families than America because they love kids. In America, our average daily draw is $105 compared to $2 worldwide. 20% of the world's population consumes 86% of its goods, yet, 25,000 die daily hungry. That's 9 million a year dying hungry. 9 million a year. Church, the only thing we are taking to heaven is our rewards for serving God's needy people. The only thing that we're going to get in heaven is the rewards that we get for the souls that we save. The only thing we're going to get in heaven is when God says, man, you fed my hungry people, thank you. Here's your crowns of glory. You know, the crowns that we'll wear and toss down his feet and pick back up, put on our heads and toss at his feet. That's all we're going to get there. We're not taking anything from here with us. But I tell you what I want to see is I want us to walk into heaven and have a military of souls behind us that we want to the Lord. I do not want to go alone. And <laughs> in, in America, we, we draw, that's, that average is $105 a day compared to two people getting $2 a day, and we hold on to it like we're in poverty. Let me explain. So America, poverty is wealth everywhere else in the world. We need to take this mirage off that America, what America has put on our heads. There was a point when I was eating romaine, I'll tell you this story. When I was a bachelor, Chris, I ate romaine noodles like it was going out of style. And then one day I'm like, man, I had this craving for a chicken sandwich from Burger King with a king fry and a king Dr. Pepper. I was excited. like, man, I want it. So I went through my house and found every piece of change because I was not doing well. <laughs> and I'm gathering all the change I could find from McDonald's. It took me probably two hours. My laundry was like digging for gold, shaking pants, getting changed, going everywhere I can. Finally, I found enough money. I went to Burger King, went through the drive-thru. I'm driving home, and God says, I want you to give that to somebody. I'm like, you're kidding me. Did you see what I did for this sandwich? The Lord's like, you know, same thing. My poorness is wealth in other countries. So I'm like, all right. So I drove around at night looking for some homeless guy in the woods to give my Burger King sandwich, to and fries. We are so stingy. The most generous American is still stingy. And God's saying, provide my need. I'll tell you that if we will do this, it will transform our church, people. Not only will it transform because we will grow in souls, we will also grow in, in prosperity more. We're in prosperity, but there'll be more prosperity because God's not going to leave us hanging when we're giving our resources to those people. We cannot be stingy. We, number five, we're just going to breeze through the rest. Five, we need to increase power in our life. Ministering to others will take our eyes off self and allow the Holy Spirit to move through us. If God is not moving through you, it's probably because you're looking at yourself as God. What I mean by that is if you are looking at your life all about you, that is an idol because you're looking at the creator the creation of God instead of the creator and we will look at ourselves churches grow in America I mean just go to the bookstore folks there's shelves of books about seven it's it's like churches have become self-help groups really and it has became all about us why well, i need to be a better husband so I'm going to read this book. I need to be better with money, so I'm going to read this book. And, and churches are holding all these classes, I understand all that, and it's needed. But I'll tell you this much, I've said it before, if you just get Jesus in your heart and focus on the Word of God, you will be a better husband. You will be a better father. You will be better at all these things. But we need to take ourselves, our minds off ourselves, put it in the Scripture, put it on those in the community, and you will see the power of God move through you greater than you've ever seen before. I got quiet. I guarantee you, though, it's true. Number six is we need to remove the compassion burnout. We have become burnout on our compassion for people. Matthew 10.42 says this, it says, And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. We need to realize that people people that we are around are, are, are someone's child. But Christians shun people. And we've got to think of this. Those prostitutes that are being killed every single day, those prostitutes that are selling their bodies for money, those are someone's babies. That daughter is someone's baby. Those homeless guys that are riding their bikes with backpacks on just trying to find some kind of shelter through our community, that is someone's son. We need to have compassion on them. But too much, we look past them as they're going to sleep under some tree and go to our comfortable homes and forget all about them by the time we walk in the door. But yet, yeah, what if we said, you know what, i got a spare bedroom. I'll let you use it for a night. You know, I mean, or you know what, i got a, I got a lady that owns a hotel. Maybe I can put you up in some, in some shelter for a night. That's someone's kid. And we lose that compassion. We really do. The world's going to hell, and we as Christians are just worshiping our way through. But we need to look at that day when Jesus comes, that day is coming soon that Jesus is going to stand there and start filtering through his people. You're going to hell, you're going to heaven. And we need to keep that in the forefront of our minds and be on a mission that our mission is to lead as many people to the Lord as we can through every means possible. But yet we have, became, we have become very selfish American Christians. We just have. And I, get, we can't, I mean, here's how I know if we're following the scripture or not. How many people have you personally led to the Lord in the last 30 days? My number is not very high. But I tell you this much, by loving the people, you will see them get born again. It may take a year. I'll tell you this much, I've loved a lot of people in the last 30 days. I've talked to many strangers as I can and loving on them in the last 30 days. Because, and I know eventually, that will get them born again. You will see this church By next year at this time, we'll be three times the size we are right now if we will love the people. I think Shannon O'Dell Odell is absolutely correct. If we will fulfill this scripture and fulfill what we're doing, there's no reason in two years that we will not be 400 people. I don't care if the population of our county is not that high. People will go where God is. People will make sure to get there. So we need to remove our compassion burnout. We cannot allow our judgments to stop God's blessing. And number seven, the last one. All right, you ready? We need God's heart for the world. There is a need in Kit Carson, East Shine Walls for God to move. There is a need for that. There is a need for God to move in this county. And God is waiting for us to be the vessels that he moves through. I've said it before. I just want it to get so implanted in your heads and your hearts that you understand it. That we are the burning bush of Moses' time. Okay, God is not just going to form into a human being and start walking and ministering to people. He wants to flow through us. We are in the new covenant. The Old Testament, God talked to everybody face to face. He moved through burning bushes. He talked to people through donkeys. Now, we're the donkeys. The Holy Spirit has been ascended from the heaven. We need to stop worshiping and asking God to open up the floodgates of heaven. They're already open. They've already rained down. We are now the miracles. We are born again, filled with the Spirit of God. We need to go out and let Him move through us. We need to, last week, get the CD if you weren't here. God gave a mighty word at the end. Some of you guys, I don't know how you responded, but God gave a mighty word that we are to go out and we are to wash the feet of those communities. We need to be the servants. Jesus came to serve, not to be served and he went to the prostitutes, he went to the alcoholics, he went to everybody, he even rebuked the Pharisees. But he broke bread with anybody who would break bread. I said it last week, the last person that he ever talked to besides his disciples before his crucifixion was a man shunned up in an apartment with leprosy. That was the last person he talked to before the Passover dinner. We have got to be that vessel. We've got to be that mouthpiece. We've got to be that generous. We need to stop being selfish, stop looking inward, start looking upward, and I guarantee you, your, eyes, your hearts will be transformed to minister to all those people. I guarantee you it. But this morning, my heart's desire, my heart's desire is that you guys will get a passion for two things. Jesus Christ and the lost people. Jesus Christ and his people. God doesn't, he cares. But when we go to heaven, he's not going to ask, I've said before, he's not going to ask you how much money did you make. He's not going to ask you how many cows you raised. He's not going to ask you how many, anything. He's not going to ask how many times did you go snowboarding in your life. He's not going to ask God how many times did you go scuba diving. Let me explain something. When I first moved here, for the first three days of me living here, all I did is, I mean, you got to think about it. I gave up my life to be here. You understand? I gave up the Great Lakes of Michigan to look at that. I gave up trees to see forever. (laughs) I gave up scuba diving, Okay. big thing for me it was very hard for me so for three days i came here there was no staff here yet we had nothing or no i mean we had things but we didn't have a staff so i come into a dark building that was only being used two hours a week for sunday morning services And i just turned on i found the song for the first time that we sang today i will follow you i listened to that for three days saying where you go i'll go my work day was just praying and worshiping god where you go i will go And I believe it was that three days that got me through the heartache of being, don't think it's wrong, being here over being there. God created this Bible and he created it with one thing in mind and I guarantee you that what was not on his mind was your comfort zone. It wasn't on your, he didn't care. He said, do you think I'm comfortable coming down? He gave up the throne to be a human being and spit on People saying holy, holy, holy to him up there. He came down here to be spit on and beat. He didn't really think about your comfort zone when he wrote the word of God. But what he did think about was every single soul that will be going to hell if we, as the redeemed and as Christians, the servant of Jesus, do not do something. And so this morning, my challenge is to you. Will you go where he goes? Will you go where he asked you to go? Now, Guatemala was, I'm sure, rough at times, but it was still a tropical island. Very pleasurable. I've been to Honduras, which is just like it. It's hard, though, isn't it? I mean, you got heat. You got different foods. You get chicken every day, right? You got the hot roof you're building. They built steel beams. Steel beams on a 100... 50-degree day, I'm sure. Was it hot? It was warm. It rained every day. You're like, what's that? Why is water falling? But this morning, I want to ask you guys, will you go where he goes? If you want to redeem, to transform, it's not about Lori and I doing something. It's about you and Lori and I doing something. We have got to ignite and become a team and go transform this world. So, one way we're going to do that, I'm going to be honest with you, one way we're doing it is Kit Carson Day. It blessed me to see Austin walking up with an armful of crayons and putting them in here because for, you know, these crayons are going to some child. They may, I mean, they're already in school. Do they have crayons? Sure. But this also says to them, you know what? We know what season you're in. Here's some crayons. Here's some school supplies. We did this in Michigan. We actually went door to door and gave bags of school supplies to kids before school started. It was a powerful thing. So Kid Carson Day, we're, we're given free games for them to play, and they can win some school supplies and some backpacks. That's very cool. You could be a part of that. And maybe you're someone that can't be there that day to bless the kids, but you can bless them by donating You could be someone that maybe you can't donate, but you can be there and watch them play their games. And I tell you what, there's nothing more of a blessing than seeing kids in our community play fun games for free and have a good time. Then we're going to the parade. We'll be at the parade, and we're going to give out bottles of water. Now, Kit Carson Day is still hot. In Michigan, you're getting ready to get your snow stuff out. Well, here, we're still hot. So we're going to be giving away bottles of water with labels that says the Redeemed Church and our information just for free, give them, and bless them. You can be a part of that. Then after that, Lori had this great idea that let's open up our house. Great idea. And we already got one pool that we bought. It's about 16 inches around and 16 feet around. 16 inches around. Put your finger in there. Woo, feel better. It's 16 feet around for the adults and teenagers and we got some kiddie pools and we're just having a pool party at our house from two to five we're adding to the community you know i went and sat at the chamber of commerce one of the people at the chamber of commerce told them what i want to do for the Carson today bless them beyond belief you know what excited me that i wasn't there trying to recruit anybody i just said the redeemed church wants to add to the day and bless the community this is what we have in mind just fired up excited it works Maybe she won't come into our church and, you know right away or people don't come right away, but the fact that we love them, God honors that. You say, man, you're fulfilling my scripture. Thank you so much. I've been looking all over the world to find some church that will fulfill my scriptures. Thank you. You can be a part of that. And if you want to, you can talk to lawyer Karen or the sign-up sheets back there. What I want to do this morning real quick is Shanda and Carla, you, you don't have mics or anything, do you? Never mind. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Oh, you got yours? Come on up. What I'd like to do, is I will follow. We'll do a second. Well, this morning I want to pray with you guys real quick. We're almost done. But I want to pray with you guys. And I want to throw a challenge out to you. Is what I said. Is will you go where He goes. Will you fulfill the scripture? Shannon Dell said it perfect is that when you move, God moves. A relationship with God is like a dance, but he's not leading. He guides you, but you lead the dance. Hallelujah. You take the first step, he takes the next one. You take the next step, he takes the next one. <laughs> and it becomes a dance between him, and it's powerful. And then what you find is you become water walkers. You ignore the storm, you just get out of the boat and you say, God, I'm with you. There's no turning back. As the redeemed, there's no turning back. Either you're on board or you're not. We're moving forward. We're breaking through. We got we're gonna grow. And all I wanted to see is you guys get blessed by God Amen. through it. Amen. So if you're someone that says, You know what, Scott, as I pray, you say, I will go. I will go. And this ain't just about our church. This is for any church, anywhere. If you say, I will go, I will love the people, I will fill the scriptures. After I'm done praying, we're going to start singing this song. All I want you to do is, if you're on board with that, is just stand up as a commitment to God, saying, I am with you, Lord. Just stand. Don't stand if you're not making a commitment. This is a commitment. I stood at this very altar with my wife and married her. It was a commitment. Lifelong journey. So death do us part. I'm not, it's not, I make it so bad. It's not. I'm enjoying my marriage. So <laughs> I'm like, so death is this part. We're there. <laughs> That's not what I mean. I love my marriage. But when you stand right now, I want you to be making that kind of commitment to God as Lord. I want to use my resources to meet someone's need. I want to Use what I have that you give me to meet someone's need. And if that is you, when I'm done praying and we're singing, just please stand up and sing along and just praise God and say I'm with you. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for who you are. Thank you, Jesus. you are a great God. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. Mighty and glorious and powerful you are. And I pray, Lord God, that you'll minister to us right now. I pray, Lord God, that, that people here will look at their hearts and say, do I have bitterness with somebody? Do I not bless them because of, d- d- of uh, bitterness? Is there people I'm not meeting their needs? I just pray a challenge be put out before everybody here to say, you know what, you have resources, you have gifts for me, use them to build the kingdom. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you,
0: Jesus. Where you go, I'll go, where you stay. I will trust in you alone Higher than my sight High above my life I will trust in you alone And I will follow. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Who you love, I'll love. Now you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you, who you
1: love, I'll love,
0: how you serve, I'll serve, in this life
1: I lose, I will follow you. Follow him when you give him a clap of praise this morning.
0: Hallelujah.
1: God is going to do amazing, great, big things through this church and through you guys and through your lives.
0: You can contact the Church of the Redeemed at P.O. Box 101, Kit Carson, Colorado 80825, or you can call the church office at 719 962 3363. And thank you for listening to the CD. God bless.